Welcome to the greatest discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the greatest generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. We're on the other side of the galaxy from new Star Trek to talk about, Ben. Yeah, but this is kind of new Star Trek. It's new Star Trek comic. I love it. We haven't done a comic book episode in quite a while, it feels like. And uh, whenever our buddy J.K. Woodward deans to draw us into one, well, we've just got to do an entire show about it. I think that's the rule. Yeah. That's the that's the devil's contract <laughs> We've signed with him. Yeah, we have no control over this. He'll just put us in something. How much Voyager do you have in your repertoire? Have you watched much Voyager? I know enough about Voyager to know who the characters are and what their names are. Uh-huh. And I know that they're they're far away. Yeah. Like, they're in some other quadrant, <laughs> and they're trying to get home. That's the story, right? That's the story, yeah. It's a, it's a quantum leap Star Trek a little bit. Yeah, they're, they're hoping their next warp jump is the one that takes them home. <laughs> yeah, except for it's just like a, a vast distance. It's something that they they flirted with a couple of times in like TNG where Q would snap his fingers and they'd be on the wrong end of the galaxy. And Yeah, J25 is like a lifetime away or whatever. Yeah, so uh, it's a bit of that. But um, I, I really like Voyager a lot. It's a, it's a show that I have a, a tremendous fondness for. So I'm, uh, I was... I was excited to go uh, spend some time there today in comic book form. Reputationally, it's it suffers from that kind of rocky start vibe, though, right? Like, isn't that isn't that the the word on the street? Is like get through the first couple seasons. Like all Star Trek, that's what I'm saying. The first two or three seasons are not great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's also you know very Berman era Star Trek where there's like weird sexist shit going on behind the scenes and while captain janeway is like my favorite of the of the captains i think she's underwritten a lot and yeah. and misused in in certain ways and um the the actors that played the other female characters on the show had weird gross experiences from what i have read so it's a show that's perhaps the most complicated of the 90s era star trek properties but as a show i i have always enjoyed it so well it'll be a long time until we get around to it <laughs> based on our our current schedule for greatest gen right yeah i think we've we've got like another half a year of greatest gen but then maybe maybe voyager is next yeah maybe you heard it here first or maybe you didn't maybe we'll have a good max fun drive hey yeah it's the max fun drive and uh, the greatest discovery is a listener supported show we are extremely grateful for all the listener support we get, and uh, we're, we actually have set a goal for The Greatest Discovery this year. We're trying to get to 2,000 new and upgrading supporters. So if you've got it, if you're in a position to uh, to help make this show happen, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Yeah, if you're, already, if you're already subscribing to CBS All Access. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're supporting that monolith. <laughs> Why don't you support the littlest Star Trek show that could, The Greatest Discovery? You know how to pay for content if you're sub subscribing to CBS All Access or Netflix or Amazon Prime if you're watching Discovery or Picard outside the United States. Hey, you know what menu screens make a lot of sense? Uh, the ones over at MaximumFun.org compared <laughs> to the CBS All Access app. <laughs> yeah, when you pause something on MaximumFun.org, it doesn't take the picture and then take it down to a postage stamp size. What are they doing? I don't know what that is about. <laughs> yeah, they sure keep me on my toes. <laughs> Adam, I, uh, I heard tell that you received some mail today, and this is... Because uh, we've got a text thread that's you and me and our wives and your wife. Yeah, it, the the thread is called "Uh oh." <laughs> your wife sent a photo to the thread of a package on your on your doorstep with uh, with Spock drawn on the outside of it, 
and some very skeptical looking emojis attendant to it. Since moving to Los Angeles, I've got a mail and package system that uh, that is gate related. It's a it's a townhouse situation. So to go to get the mail, you got to go outside the gate. Often the packages will be either out there in public view, which you don't want. You don't want that. <laughs> or th- or they'll be inside the gate on your porch for your uh, your townhouse cohort to see. Uh-huh. Also. Not ideal. That's why you always look for the discreet packaging option when you're checking out online. Discretion not shown for this particular package <laughs> by our friend J.K. Woodward, uh, who who wrote all over it, this is a dildo. <laughs> now, of course, he didn't write that, but he wrote, he uh, he drew something almost just as embarrassing. He, uh, he drew Spock on the box and... Uh, you know, this is precious cargo inside this box bin. So inside the uh, the Spock voice bubble, it says, I know I don't always show my emotions, but I'm quite fragile in giant type. <laughs> this is this is a message to the letter carrier. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you and I, longtime supporters of the USPS, uh, love them to death, want them to stay around forever. Indeed. Uh, does not appear as though this message was read slash appreciated. Oh, no. This is a pretty banged up box. I'm hoping that it was just like in JK's recycled box pile, and that's why it's looking a little uh, uh-huh. little rugged. But I'm going to open this baby up, and I'll tell you what's inside. Yeah, it, it looks like JK is not an adherent of the broken box theory of postal policing. Yeah, see that corner? I, I hope we don't have anything of value in that corner. I would have guessed that these were gonna come in like tubes or in a flat box, but this is a this is a box that's like four or five inches deep. And also if we're talking about artwork, like maybe instructions not to plunge a knife through it. <laughs> Et tu, JK? <laughs> you know what? We know our buddy JK recently moved, and uh, I, I think this is a lot of recycled packing material. Yeah. Of the styrofoam kind. Oh, boy. You want to see that stuff get reused, because it's no good in a landfill. You know, part part of this, Adam, might be down to the fact that the last time JK sent you artwork, it got thrown away. <laughs> Have I told that story on the show? I think you told it on Greatest Gin, but uh, recap it for the people, because not everybody listens to both shows. It's something that really hurts my heart to think about. Um, I was in the process of a move not too long ago, and a bunch of my... You know, the the artwork that a film and television fan uh, gathers over the years was, you know, being put into rolls and packed flat, being protected. Yeah. Uh, At the same time that there was some construction going on in the house. And, you know, some cardboard looks like other cardboard and some tubes look like they contain things that maybe need to be thrown out to an untrained eye. And so the very first piece of artwork that JK sent me, original work, like original stuff that his comic book pages were based on, uh, was was lost. It's in it's in a fucking landfill somewhere. It's it's been shredded and turned into paper pulp. It's awful. It sucks. Maybe what what he sent you today will make that right. This is original Smoke and Mirrors artwork, page nine. And you can just see <laughs> how colorful and detailed it is. Uh, it's so cool. This is probably four times the size of the page in a comic book. Yeah. The paper that he paints these on. And in the margins, you can see like the production note of it. Like, wow, cool. The date. The issue, the signature, it's uh, its really awesome. That is framing worthy. And then we have uh, the aftermath panels, which are uh, which we'll talk about on page 12. 
uh, just just enormous. What's cool about getting proofs like this is you get the inset panel uh, on the outside. So you'll get like the panels of a comic book stacked and then, you know, you'll occasionally get a panel on top of those panels. Yeah. Well, here's a, here's an inset panel in the margin. Wow. That's wild. Really, really great. Thanks, JK. Yeah. And, you know, like, thank you very much for sending them, but also thank you doubly for uh, trusting me <laughs> with with a gift like this. I, I really felt bad uh, telling JK the story of how I lost his work the first time around, so I'll, I'll take much better care this time. Well, Adam, do you want to get into the comic book we're here to talk about today? Yeah, it's, uh, it's the work of J.K. Woodward and several others. Yeah, writer Paul Allure and uh, letterer Neil Uyatake. It's a one-off comic. It's called uh, Star Trek Voyager, Mirrors and Smoke. We have been waiting for someone worthy of our attention. What? Who are you? We encountered them. Those Klingons? Then there's a little bit of a preamble here, a, uh, a Star Wars-like crawl <laughs> and, uh, that begins 2372. The dead speak. <laughs> <laughs> Rebel ship Voyager, captained by Catherine Janeway, an escaped slave from a brutal Cardassian mining facility, is flung halfway across the universe. Stranded in the Delta Quadrant, Janeway and her ragtag Rebel crew are faced with a choice, find their way home or quietly forge a new life far away from the Klingons, Cardassians, and the Rebellion. Janeway chooses the third option. The Voyager will stay. The Voyager will plunder. The Delta Quadrant will be hers. And she will be its pirate queen. (laughs) A year later, she is well on her way. That's important to read here because we are kind of in media race as soon as this comic begins. If you don't happen to read that little paragraph, you might be wondering, what the hell? Well, uh, I'll tell you, I did not read that little paragraph. I assumed that that was just more, uh, I don't know, copyright information or something as I, <laughs> as my eyes glanced across that screen and I just started reading. So, uh, so it did take me a little while to, to get up and running with this one, but I, I kind of liked the challenge of that. You know, it's kind of like reading Dune and not knowing what a, Padishah emperor is or whatever you know yeah, it's, it's like reading on hard mode yeah i mean like i, th- I think that the, a certain kind of science fiction reader enjoys the challenge of that we get the uh the iss voyager giving chase to a ship it's the uh dread ship baxial i think when you're when your ship is called a dread ship I think you you you're understanding what their interests are. Uh-huh. Yeah, over there. I f- I feel like uh, if if I ever have a dread ship, it will be like the dread dinghy. <laughs> you know. Why is this a quality of the mirror universe? I feel like our bad guys in the non-mirror universe should have dread ships too. Sets the tone. Gene Roddenberry was famously anti-space pirate. Yeah. He hated the idea of space pirates. Well, that's a mistake. Yeah. And yet he was pro Kevin Sorbo. So <laughs> whatever. Essentially the ISS Voyager has uh, has decided to just g- go ahead and be in the D-quad and look for things to make them go. Can you be more specific? And they're chasing this ship the Baxial because it's got uh, what appears to be a Federation style shuttlecraft in tow and this is very curious to them. So they are really throwing every, everything they've got at the back seal, despite the fact that uh, this this is a ship that they seem to have a real axe to grind with. This is not their first encounter. It's a mystery on a couple of fronts, right? Like, what the hell is the deal with the dread ship? But also, why does the dread ship have a a Starfleet shuttle? What's the deal with the dread ship? <laughs> They get on the FaceTime with the captain of the dreadship, and it's evil Neelix and evil Cass. Mm. <laughs> I kind of like the look of evil Neelix. I feel like he kind of makes more sense to me as a space pirate than a doofy cook that is always like complimenting people, you know, like the the crazy mutton chops at the and the angle that JK has painted him at. Really uh, really sells him as a bad guy. 
I got to tell you, like the the Neelix character was one of the reasons that uh, I couldn't quite get into the show when it first came out. But mm-hmm. you know, you give nice jovial Neelix a a fur lined jacket, yeah, and a and a dreadship. Suddenly, <laughs> I'm interested. I'm very interested. <laughs> Sign me up. It's the jacket that really does it for me. I think. <laughs> <laughs> you love an action jacket, Adam. I do. This is a this is a panel though that also underscores just how little Bolana Torres is in this issue. Uh, hardly in it at all, I think. And and I think hers is one of the depictions that I like the most. Like she really looks amazing when you see her. Yeah, she uh, doesn't have a lot to do in this issue. But uh, spoiler alert: this sort of seems like it's setting up a a future run of these comics. So maybe we'll, yeah. maybe we'll get issues where she does have more to do. The trouble is that the, the back seal is a, a tough nut to crack. It is a, a much more rugged ship than, uh, than what the Voyager's weapons can penetrate. So they are doing their damnedest to, you know, knock out this tractor beam or, or penetrate the shields or whatever. And they're not having a great time doing it. Like everyone in the mirror universe, uh, everyone is pretty jacked. Uh, maybe first and foremost, Catherine Janeway. Yeah, she's got those uh, ripped off sleeves. She's got real Rambo shoulder. Got kind of a bandolier thing going. I, it's <laughs> unclear what is in her bandolier. Mm. Maybe we'll find out in subsequent issues, right? Probably like Tic Tacs or something. Yeah. There's a little bit of conversation about what to do to the Baxial. Uh a dissenting opinion comes from Tuvok, who is wondering why they're wasting their time with this to begin with. Their primary mission should be heading home. Yeah. But this is an opinion that's shut up pretty fast. They're here <laughs> to plunder. Tuvok, get it straight. Tuvok is all about that go back to the Federation lifestyle. And uh, that is not what Janeway wants to do. Tuvok looks at Neelix and is like repulsed by the idea of anyone looking like that. Did I say go back to the Federation? Of course I meant the Alpha Quadrant. There's no Federation. This is the MU. Yeah, there's nothing there but but heads rolling. <laughs> they've detected a human aboard this shuttle and uh, the shuttle starts to try and break free and they use this as an opportunity to throw everything they've got at the tractor beam projector on the back seal which does not break through the tractor beam, but weakens it enough for the shuttle to be outside of the force field so they can they can beam the occupant aboard. I think on Star Trek, we're often given an understanding of, of relative strength between ships. And I think specifically like among Federation ships, as a Star Trek Voyager person, is Voyager... Like one of the most powerful ships in the fleet? Is it like one of the best of the best? Or is it just a, a long distance, uh, not scout ship, but... Yeah. I remember it's set up being something along the lines of like, this is one of the newest ships in the fleet. So it's not hmm. a galaxy class. It's not equipped like one of the one of the big boys in the fleet, but it's got all of the latest stuff. So... Mm-hmm. I think they they fire quantum torpedoes, not photon torpedoes, and they've got uh, right. they've got different kinds of circuitry and and stuff like that. So the idea of it uh, being overmatched by another ship or equally matched by another ship would suggest that the dread ship is is pretty powerful. Yeah, I mean this is the M- MU. You got to come correct if you're going to get in a space fight. I thought that this uh, this reveal of seven of nine was very interesting. It it has a lot of similarities to her reveal in Star Trek Colin Picard. I felt the same way, yeah. She uh, she doesn't feel like they owe her a ship. And she's also not an XB in this. She uh, is Annika Hansen. Her parents were assimilated, but she was not. She seems to be non-Mirror Universe based. Yeah. Whatever universe she's from, she's a nice person. Yeah. You would expect a mirror universe human from anywhere to be ready to fight right? in a moment like this. She has no goatee. She's not evil seeming. She seems willing to 
uh, ingest a sedative in a strange place. Yeah. You don't want to go to a second location and, and have a sedative in the mirror universe, Ben. Yeah, you don't want your your mirror universe hollow doctor giving you drugs that you don't know the provenance of. No, exactly. You save that for the, the privacy of your shuttlecraft. Yeah. The holographic doctor, the, uh, the EMH, is very badly treated by Captain Janeway here and... Annika is actually uh, pretty cool to him, you know, treats him like like he's a person, which is a uh, weird and disorienting experience for, for everyone involved. It's interesting, uh, the vibes I got for how they treated the EMH here felt a lot like uh, how Data was treated in his first season, like kind of, kind of a lot of, uh, a lot of jokes to his face. Yeah. And like mispronouncing it and not him. Annika actually tells the Prime Universe story of how her family was assimilated. And uh, only in this universe, she was able to to somehow avoid that. And not only that, no one on the ship knows what a Borgs is. Yeah, Commander Cavett and Janeway's jaws drop and their, their next scene on the bridge is... Janeway talking to Chakotay, and they are really like scheming on what Borgs could be. I've got to believe that there is a lot of conflict over the thermostat on the bridge of the ISS Voyager because you've got bare arms for Janeway. (laughs) You've got leather dusters for some people. Yeah. Leather jackets mostly. Yeah. I mean, who's running the thermostat? Who's on the nest <laughs> on the Voyager Bridge is my question. Maybe Captain Janeway runs hot. That would be a surprise, just given all of the women in my life. <laughs> Meanwhile, shit seems to be malfunctioning almost immediately on the ISS Voyager after they get Annika on board. Yeah, they get report from uh, Tom Paris that they're dropping out of warp, uh, gravity getting flipped around. In uh, in certain rooms, it's uh, it's filling six bay up with a bunch of people with uh, various uh, you know blunt force injuries and poisonings. People who are already angry <laughs> are having their day fucked with. Yeah, I loved that. Uh, at least one person was turned into some kind of amphibian. <laughs> yeah, that'll happen. So they have a McLaughlin group if you want to figure out what the deal is but in the mirror universe you have McLaughlin groups to figure out who to blame <laughs> and the blame seems to be placed squarely on Annika their their newcomer yeah Annika is the main thing that they can put a finger on uh, that has changed recently you know since she came aboard it's been nothing but nothing but trouble so uh, <laughs> Janeway's solution to this problem is like well we'll uh We'll see if we can narrow it down to her, and uh, if we uh, if we can't figure it out, we'll just beam her into space. She prescribes to that famous scientific theory, like uh, remove the variables. Yeah, by blowing them out into space. <laughs> and where do you want to be if you're going to talk about a blowing people out into space type scheme, Adam? I mean, a shuttle bay seems like a uniquely dangerous place. Uh, for that kind of blowing. So it's Commander Cavett and Commander Chakotay and a couple of unfortunate red shirts, Adam. Red shirts that look mighty familiar to me. Yeah, uh, it's hard to see any pips on these other two fellas. Yeah. They seem like a couple of good guys. Maybe a couple of good guys caught in a bad situation, you know? The one that looks like you is wearing a like a, almost a karate gi that... Uh, it looks like it has sleeve of wizard. <laughs> yeah, I like that quite a bit. Uh, it it allows for full range of motion. That's what I like about it. A very uh, comfortable look. I uh, my guy is kind of he's got kind of Captain Kirk costume. I wonder what that's about. Why why a different uniform for these two unfortunate souls? It, it almost looks like you're wearing the tunic that has the uh, "I'm with stupid" Starfleet emblem around the waist. <laughs> yeah. That we've come to know and love from certain TOS episodes. Yeah. Um, this is a scene where uh, Chakotay takes out his uh, his primary rival, which we know to be the primary mode of political 
advancements in the mirror universe. He, uh, he he murders his boss, and and Cavett goes out the open door along with uh, with those other two dudes. I love that Chakotay's got the Rambo bandana going. Yeah, it's big fun. He looks very badass, like sincerely rough and tough. But uh, he doesn't appear to have the face tats in this. Yeah. He uh, he goes directly to Six Bay after this incident in the shuttle bay uh, because his suspicion is that the things that are happening on the ship uh, are because of Annika. And he's not exactly wrong about that. He's actually 50% right. It's It's the tag team. Mm-hmm. of the EMH and Annika that have been doing this around the ship. Uh, the EMH has taken a shine to her because she's been so nice. Yeah, she treated him like a like a real boy, and he made her his accomplice. Chakotay takes some blunt force trauma to, uh, to the dome. The doctors knocked him out. You got to imagine that an uh, emergency medical hologram will know exactly how to knock you out without doing like super long-term damage. Yeah. You know, like a special forces guy that knows how to stab you through the right vertebrae to to kill you in one go, right? Right. Some of my favorite panels are the different expressions of the doctor yeah. in this episode. I feel like uh like Robert Picardo specifically looks looks very similar to the actual item. Yeah. He gives great face in this. Up on the bridge. Janeway is looking through the view screen at uh, at you and me floating in space. <laughs> yeah, I like an ECU on both of us. That's pretty good. And she starts to hear from the doctor over the radio what uh, what has happened and and why it has happened. Um, he uh, he liked being treated with kindness, decency, and respect, and. Uh, He's been he's been ignored. He's been looked past as a as a less than for too long, but he's been spending all of this free time he has learning the ship's systems. He's kind of a Moriarty type character in this. Yeah, he really is. He's become sentient and now he can control the ship. It's mutiny on the Voyager. In a very uh, non-Rick Berman kind of way, we get uh, Annika putting on some bulky clothes. <laughs> That's how you know this is the mirror universe and, and Berman is not involved. Right, yeah. Because it's the exact opposite. She's getting space suited up as uh, as Janeway and the rest of the crew run down there. I liked that uh, Bolana Torres had a had a bat left with her, but the doctor has started to turn down life support, so they get quite choky before they even make it to six bay and Annika is uh is ready for this as she puts on her space helmet leaving everything to the imagination am i dead yeah who is the evil captain janeway to turn to at a time like this there is a dread ship out there somewhere <laughs> with inhaling range that is willing to crash itself into the hull of voyager or is that the is that the shuttle it crashes. I think it's the shuttle. So so it looks like the dreadship flings the shuttle at Voyager. And uh and Neelix and Kess beam aboard and they've got uh they've got little face masks to help them with the atmosphere. And Kess has like pretty significant like Dark Phoenix style telekinetic superpowers here. And she starts uh she starts laying waste to things, you know. They say when you board a Starfleet vessel, you want to put a mask on the other people in your boarding party before putting on your own. Right. Yeah. And I think Kess is technically like two years old or whatever. So, so right. Neelix did the right thing, you know, put, putting his mask on first before helping his child. The doctor is pretty confident in the face of this boarding party because he's like, what, what are they going to do against me? I'm a hologram. Uh, but he is mistaken in pretty short order because Kess can use her mind abilities to to tear his projection. Like, he, she can twist him all up. Yeah. It looks like it hurts. Does not look fun. They have uh, basically eliminated all threats, so they start to 
set about wiping the doctor's memory when Annika in her spacesuit comes out of nowhere. She's uh, she's going for Kess, but it's it's Neelix that uh, tackles her and, and gets her out of the way. I really like how much Neelix looks like Beast in these frames. Yeah. Beast from X-Men. Totally. And it's that fur-lined jacket that, that does it. I think that was a really great choice. Yeah, and the mutton chops. Right. He has Kess collapse Annika's face shield on her helmet so that she's subject to the same bad atmosphere as everyone else. And uh, they complete resetting the EMH and, uh, and drag Annika out of Six Bay. Sort of a lonely moment. When the EMH reappears at the end. Yeah. Wanting to help for an emergency that isn't there. It's really sad. <laughs> if a emergency happens in the six bay and no one's around to hear it, does the EMH even appear? Wow. That's deep. <laughs> does the Pope shit in the woods? <laughs> so it looks like they're able to uh, to get the airflow going back on Voyager again. Something having to do with a the thermostat, probably. Right. And uh, he wakes up Janeway and the rest of the crew and uh, announces that uh, he's going to be taking over their ship. Uh, he just needs Janeway's command codes. You know, they can do this the easy way or the hard way, right? Like, get command codes or I'll make your death much more painful and get the command codes some other way. But uh, Janeway invokes Protocol 7. Before you turned the page, what did you think it was? I don't know, because seven is the shorthand for seven of nine, so I thought it could have something to do with Annika. I thought exactly the same thing. I might have chosen a different number. Yeah. I'm not trying to note anyone here, but that was a moment where I was distracted by what that could mean. If she'd said protocol 47, we know that that's uh, Starfleet emergency frequency, captain's eyes only. Yeah. So wasn't that, but uh, but Protocol 7 is uh, something they've programmed into the doctor, enabling him to appear suddenly, and he, uh, he hyposprays Kess, taking away Neelix's muscle, and, uh, and the ship is retaken. So, explain this. Like, again, haven't seen much Voyager at all. When the doctor appears around the ship, those are corporeal hyposprays, like... Like how is how are they able to to go with him? Are, they're not holographic hyposprays, are they? You could project the hologram and then transporter the hypospray. Okay, because this was the part that confused me, but I figured there was a, a a good reason for it in the Voyager universe. Yeah, I don't know. I think in in the show, the Doctor is confined to Six Bay for much of the first few seasons until they figure out a way to let him out but he can either see them in the holodeck or the six bay but nowhere else so he's often like radioing up to the bridge in in voyager in the mirror universe all the hypo sprays are filled with meth right (laughs) that's just all it is yeah so that's it for for neelix you know he tries to swing a a sword at at janeway but she she kicks his butt Really nice shoulder definitions on Janeway here. Yeah. Page 23, definitely like the hottest action sequence in the issue. Um, And he winds up in the brig in a cell directly adjacent to that of Annika. Who appears to be in her Seven of Nine style form-fitting suit. Yeah. I wonder if that's just jail garment (laughs) in the Mary Universe. Yeah. I guess if your if your jail garment is form fitting, there isn't the need for a cavity search, right? Yeah, exactly. You can see everything. Can't hide anything. No <laughs> garment. Yeah, it becomes clear that uh, she and Neelix and Kess were all in on this together, and uh, they're they're going to start planning their next move while they're in the brig. But uh, the last uh, couple pages, the button on the episode, if you will, are uh, Commodore Janeway giving command of. The backseal to Captain Chakotay. She's now got two ships in her fleet. She's a real pirate queen. She's growing a fleet. I mean, this is why you kill the officer above you in rank. I mean, this is this is the great reward mm-hmm. that Chakotay has earned with his murder. Indeed, and uh, murder is super legal in the, <laughs> in the mirror universe. Nobody looks down on him for that. Um, 
Tuvok makes one more pitch on, hey, what if we go home? And uh, <laughs> he is once again shut down by Commodore Janeway. It's a miracle that he's still alive. <laughs> I mean, he knows how to do that neck pinch, so he's he's got his right. utility. Uh, she's got one thing in mind, Adam. She wants to go see what's up with those Borgs. I love this ending to the story. I do too. This is part of the pain of of this issue, though, Ben. And I think as we get into whether or not we liked it, mm-hmm. like... I think one of the frustrations about this issue is that it came out over a year ago as a single and like, that's it. I want to experience the rest of the story big time. I want to see what what the Borg are in the mirror universe. Maybe they're just really chill. (laughs) They're like, we could assimilate you or not, whatever. (laughs) They just uh, have giant cubicle radio shacks. They're out trying to sell their technology instead of assimilate it. Do they have like mechanical goatees? Like oh, yeah. all their all their goatees are made out of Borg implant materials. God. <laughs> you know they sketched out this universe before writing this issue. These are these are answers that are possible to get. Yeah. I bet we could dial up JK and get them. Got to find out if uh, if there are more of these in the works. I'd love to see them. I know. Spill that tea, JK. Well, Adam, did you like the issue? Yeah. I mean, outside of the frustration of not having more, like that's the sort of complaint you want about yeah. something that you've made, right? Like that it's good enough to want more of it. Yeah. I, I certainly feel that way. It's a ton of fun and it's, and it's, uh, the story is strong. It is great to be in a JK Woodward visual universe again. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because I have artwork to put on my walls. <laughs> Pretty fun. Yeah, I really liked it as well. I, uh, you know, I wasn't I wasn't sure about this because the Mirror Universe is definitely not my my milieu as a Star Trek fan. But this this is probably my favorite Mirror Universe thing I've come across so far. Wow, that's big. And I'm in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just like it because you're in it. Yeah, that's why. Well, do you want to see if we have any Priority One messages in our inbox? Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Ben, our first Priority One message is from Adam V, which is what I like to call myself when I'm wearing an especially deep V. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The message is to Julie VB. Happy Captain Picard Day. Thanks for getting me back into Star Trek through the Uxbridge Shimoda podcasts. Question for Ben and Adam. Ooh. If you were showrunners for Star Trek Hood, <laughs> who would you cast as the captain, first officer, hospitality officer, science officer, doctor, chief engineer, and bartender? Damn. Wow. I guess we probably can't have the guy who played Robert DeSoto as captain, right? He's probably aged out of the part. I think we know him to be alive at the time of this recording. I think it would be almost better if if he were an aged Captain DeSoto on <laughs> on Star Trek Hood. Just you know, maybe maybe he delegates a little bit more than your average captain. Maybe he relies on that first officer much more than usual. The first officer who I'm going to cast uh, uh, with Steve Zahn in the role. Oh, that's good. I almost want Steve Zahn to be the doctor. Okay. You remember Steve Zahn in that movie U-Turn? Vaguely. I like that movie. Anyway, uh, there I just remember him in a hospital there freaking out over uh, over his buddy <laughs> who had been injured. And I was like, yeah, that is, that is a real reaction to a hospital scene. I could see Steve Zahn doing that on, a, on the USS Hood. <laughs> just traumatized by what he's seeing. Can I pitch Aubrey Plaza as the first officer if Steve Zahn's going to be the doctor? Absolutely. And in that very fun Aubrey Plaza kind of way, uh, she does not want to be on the chill ship. She has ambitions. Yeah, right. Shit is just moving too slow. She's rolling her eyes at the whole thing, but also, you know, she's a she's a good officer, so she's she's actually kind of secretly keeping the whole thing held together. Unlike Will Riker, uh, she has 
her eyes all over that chair, <laughs> the big chair. Yeah. I always want Whoopi to be in charge of hospitality. If you didn't say it, I was. <laughs> and given her her lifetimes of experience doing it, I think she would get a kick out of working on the hood. Oh, but we also have to cast a bartender. Do we want her to be the bartender? I like the idea that she, like, oversees the bartender at this point in her career. I think I just have questions about the difference between hospitality officer and bartender at this point. I mean, right. bartender is going to be a, a sort of ship's counselor figure in a way that Guinan was in TNG. Right. I would never want to take her away from that job. She's the best. <laughs> I want... A science officer that seems sciencey, but also seems like they can kick it. Like an Adam Savage type? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, who makes science fun. Right, yeah. Adam Savage makes science the funnest. Yeah. And then Chief Engineer. Look, we haven't seen the last season of DS9. I'm just going to say it. Uh, give Colomini a call. All right, I like it. He's... He's still enlisted man, O'Brien. <laughs> he has not received a promotion. Fun. And in fact, maybe it's a demotion to be on the hood. Yeah. I imagine that it's, it's like a pretty low stress job and they there's not much call for a ship's counselor. But do we want to throw in a bonus ship's counselor casting? All right. I, I want to go in a different direction from TNG. Like I want to go... Uh, with a non-female ship's counselor this time. Sure, sure. Uh, who played Forky in in the Toy Story? <laughs> oh, Tony uh, Hale. Tony Hale. That's great. He's someone I feel like you could confide in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's he's someone who's gonna teach you how to tap the side of your neck to feel better. This is this is a lot of fun. I love it. Tap the side of your neck with a plastic fork. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Adam V. Our next priority one message is from Matt DX Prague Hackman. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, and it's to Ben and Adam. It goes like this. Max Fun recently did an ads-related survey on the Simeon survey platform I work for. So, in a way, you paid me, and now I am paying you. Wow. Same time next year. Thanks again for the beer in Houston and for these great pods. Wow. You know one thing I bet Matt DX Prague Hackman runs into all the time, or at least he ran into this in the before times, mm-hmm. when you could be around other people? Like, you, everyone does that thing. You meet a person, they're like, what do you do professionally? Yeah. Oh, I do this. Matt DX Prague Hackman says uh, he works on a Simeon project. <laughs> and the other person he's talking to is like, oh, yeah, is that the thing that Howard Stern makes strippers sit on <laughs> on Mike? <laughs> Every time he's yeah. having to tell people that is not the Simeon platform <laughs> that I work on. Indeed. Um, well, uh <laughs> Uh, no, I think uh, I think Matt works on a decidedly uh, classier type of Simeon uh, yeah. platform, and we appreciate what they do. Yeah. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host, and I got to tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from, what am I going to have for dinner, to eating a great dinner, in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with 
their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit, plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality, and this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What? 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 What's happening? What's all this? I'm trying to save you. What is this? Hey, Adam. It's that Ben. Did you find yourself an Edward Larkin? Edward Larkin! Yeah, I mean, I think uh, fun has a different definition in the Mirror Universe, certainly. And I feel like if there's one character who's really feeling themselves the most, it might be Mirror Chakotay when he kills the officer above him. I mean, he does it with a kind of panache that I can be into. He does it (laughs) He does it while looking a little bit like John Rambo in a yeah. way that I enjoy. Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say Mirror Chicote is my Edward Larkin. What about you? On a very similar note, I wanted to give it to Kess for this issue because of just how her character maybe feels like the furthest from what I remember Kess to be like in the show. You know, strutting around, shooting lightning bolts out of the tips of her fingers at people is just a very fun way to see that character kind of reimagined in a different uh, in a different universe. And I really like that. Evil Kess. All right, Ben. Uh, we have got a little bit of time before the premiere of Star Trek Lower Decks. It's a it's a show that just dropped its preview recently. Yeah, people excited about this trailer. The first episode of Lower Decks is going to come out on uh, Thursday, August 6th, and that allows us an episode of The Greatest Discovery to come out just days before it. Yes. Awkward scheduling. (laughs) What are we going to do with that episode? uh, we, We received an email from our buddy Ben Fritz, who has been on this show and uh, is a great friend of the, of, uh, the Uxbridge Shimoda family of products. He recommended something pretty clever, which is to go back into the original series cartoons and watch one or two of those. One or two? Well, I haven't talked to you about this, Adam, and you can, you can veto this if you want to, but we could record two episodes in between now and the premiere of Lower Decks, if you want it. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, those animated episodes are 24 minutes long. Yeah. There's two seasons. Season one is 16 episodes. Season two is six episodes. <laughs> well, that's weird. So do you want to try to plow through them for the next couple of weeks? Is that what you're saying? 
I think we should like pick a few episodes. Plus, I mean, when we run out of Star Trek to watch in 10 years, we're going to want to do singles of these for sure. Yeah. So uh, keep an eye on the Greatest Trek Twitter and Instagram accounts. We'll announce which ones we're going to uh, we're gonna review over the next couple of weeks. But uh, back to a full-time schedule starting now. Oof. All right. Well, I mean, uh, this is what makes all the support worth it, right? Absolutely. The, uh, the week-in, week-out work that The Greatest Discovery now commands uh, is at hand. And it's starting next week. So thank you so much to everyone that has supported. And we're going to leave it with Rob's, 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 Rob's from here. The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica. This podcast is produced by me, Rob Schulte. Our theme music is by Adam Ragusea of Cooking Fame. Check out his YouTube videos. Like Ben and Adam stated in this episode, listener support is huge for this podcast and my life. It simply wouldn't be possible to keep the show alive and kicking without the support of listeners like you. And every month we get closer and closer to having an ever-revolving Trek television universe. So please head to MaximumFun.org join and pledge your support. Do it now for Adam, for Ben, for me, and most importantly, do it for yourself. You're most likely no stranger to paying for streaming services, and 5 or $10 a month will keep this show going. And if you can pledge more, that's great, because in these times, you'll be helping out someone who may not be able to support the pod. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram under the handles Greatest Trek. Those socials are managed by the great Bill Tilly, who also benefits from supporters like you. So let's make this the best Max Fun Drive yet. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on The Greatest Discovery. It's like reverse Florence Nightingaling, right? Like when the... <laughs> isn't that what's happening here? Is that is that what that means? I feel like I don't know enough about Florence Nightingale to, to know what that means. All right. I'll take your word for it. If that reference makes the show, it's because Rob's has decided that it's right. Yeah. And if no one ever hears this, no one ever hears it. What's your guess? Does Rob's have to look that up on Wikipedia or does Rob's know from Nightingale and he can just make the call? I think I think Rob's has that reference. Okay. Like ready. Rob's is smarter than us. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.